You're listening to the Grow Your Own Food Podcast, a show dedicated to helping you grow fresh fruit, vegetables, and even grains in your own backyard. In every episode, you'll get growing tips, recipe inspiration, and more. Ready to get growing? Then let's jump in. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to episode 73 of the Grow Your Own Food podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Smith. And today we're going to be continuing our discussion about seeds because this is the time of year, honestly, where a lot of us start thinking about next year's garden. Some of us, including myself, have gone a little nanners and gone ahead and planned next year's garden. And if that's you, you end up kind of thinking about naturally seeds. Uh, whether you have seeds from this year that were left over that you want to plant again or seeds you want to try out, you want to order something new for next year. Either way, it's good to kind of go through this episode and then use these questions that I'm going to give you to evaluate what you have and whether or not you want to try something, order something different. And then if you're not going to plant what you have, what to do with it instead of tossing it. Because like I said, at the end of the last episode, we don't like to waste things, right? So that's what we're talking about today. But first, a word from our sponsor. So there is something so magical about seeds, I feel like anyway. They've got the potential for a whole plant, a whole season's worth of food waiting inside this teeny tiny little seed. But sometimes seeds just don't live up to their potential. It's not necessarily their fault. Like that old saying, it's not them, it's you. You need something that doesn't get as big, right? You don't have the space for it. Or you want something that produces fruit all through the growing season instead of all at once. Or you need something that's a little more tolerant of the blazing hot summers in your area. Those are all things that you kind of can learn after you planted a seed for the first time and it grew into a plant that you kind of didn't really know before you grew it. The only thing is, most seed packets have enough seeds to last you for a couple of years at least, sometimes multiple years if they stay viable for that long. So you end up having to decide, should you plant it again or end up you know, not using those seeds? So these are the questions that I ask myself every year at the end of every season, when trying to make that decision for myself as I plan my seed order for the next growing season. The first question I ask myself, did it produce enough? Some seeds, like the heirloom San Marzano tomato seeds I bought from Baker Creek Heirlooms, are unfailingly prodigious. Every year, they grow into these huge, hardy plants that produce several pounds, I mean dozens of pounds, of great-tasting tomatoes per plant. And as a result, I keep planting them from year to year. I'm, I plant the same San Marzano you know, variety every year because they just work so well for me. But other seeds like the heirloom Waltham broccoli that I tried growing for three years and I thought it was me, it was all my fault, they just didn't measure up. The primary heads it developed were really small and while they did produce several secondary heads, those were about the size of your average piece of broccoli. So it felt like I was only getting like a few bites of broccoli per plant. And as much as I love broccoli, 
and as big as broccoli plants get, no matter what variety they are, they need like at least a square foot of space each in the garden, maybe even a little bit more, like a foot and a half. That's a lot of space in the garden to give up to plants that that wouldn't even feed a few third graders that don't like broccoli all that much. Um, so I decided, you know what, I'm I'm not gonna plant that variety anymore. I decided to order a new variety. So that's the first thing to consider is did it produce up to your your needs, your expectations, um, your desires for you know what you're hoping to grow for yourself in terms of self-sufficiency? The second question that I ask myself after planting a new kind of seed is did it seem to thrive in my climate? In general, It's best to buy seeds for varieties that are native to your climate, and especially heirloom seeds. Heirloom seed catalogs are really great in telling you where the seed variety was first developed or discovered. Um, Baker Creek is really good about this. I think Johnny Select Seeds, which is one of my favorite seed sellers, they do this for their heirloom varieties as too when they're able to. For many seeds, it's hard to know, you know, though, whether that's the case, whether it it was developed or discovered anywhere near you, but it's definitely worth looking into. That said, I mean, who can resist all those gorgeous pictures in seed catalogs? Like, you know, the veggies that aren't native to your climate, but they're so colorful or they look so luscious that you have to try growing them, whether or not they were discovered or developed anywhere near where you live. I've definitely made a few of those purchases. Sometimes they work out in my climate, and sometimes they don't. When they don't, I have to consider whether it was a matter of user error, you know, like I should have watered it more, or I should have grown it in more compost because it needed a more marshy environment that retained more water. Um, It needed some, like, some shade in the afternoon, or whether it was more a question of environment. Usually a little research into a certain variety. You can usually come up with all sorts of question and answer boards. If you search for a certain variety, people will be talking about variety-specific questions, and you can kind of learn a lot there. In those kind of electronic bulletin boards, yes, they still have those these days. And and that's really helpful for you to learn whether it was something you did or whether it's just it wasn't happy in your environment. If it's an environmental thing, if it's my climate and where I live, too much heat is usually the case because it gets really, really hot in Kansas, especially in late July, early August, then it's not worth me trying to grow them again. After all, I can't really do anything about the average daily temperatures in Kansas in late July. Like, I just can't. Beyond putting up a shade for the plants which honestly is kind of a lot to do every single afternoon, there's there's just not a lot I can do. So if something does not really thrive in your climate, it might be worth considering, you know, not growing that again. The third question that I ask myself, did it attract too many pests? I've talked about it before. Japanese beetles are a real problem for a lot of gardeners, including myself. And while they'll eat a lot of things when desperate, they go after a few select things with particular zeal. Kentucky Wonder pole beans. So that's Kentucky Wonder is a variety of climbing 
pole green bean, for example, are hard to protect from Japanese beetles, and Japanese beetles seem to really, really love them. Since pole beans need to climb, they're hard to cover. On windy days, covers are kind of, if you try to cover something that they've climbed, the wind kind of catches that cover like a sail and it blows the poles over. Even if you secure them to a fence or something like that, sometimes the poles can break depending on what kind of poles you're using. It can be a real problem. And for me, I ended up not being able to cover my Kentucky Wonder pole beans And it eventually got to the point that even with the use of Japanese beetle traps, I I couldn't get a reliable harvest from them. So as a result, I decided the following year to not grow the same type of green bean. I decided to switch up the variety of green beans I grow. I grow the contender bush variety of green bean now. They grow in, you guessed it, a bush habit instead of a climbing pole bean habit. And... I can cover them. They're really, you know, low to the ground. I can just throw some insect netting over them, and the Japanese beetles can't get to them. And after one season of growing these green beans and ending up with a year's worth of green beans in the freezer, I knew I'd made the right choice. Likewise, sweet corn always attracts raccoons to my garden, even if it's not a super sweet variety. So I decided this year, in 2020, Rather than spend a bunch of money on an electric fencing system, I'm going to give up growing sweet corn. And because I like growing corn, I think it's fun to watch. I'm just going to grow popcorn instead because I love popcorn and it's just fun for me. And the raccoons don't go after it. So always keep in mind, you know, what kind of pests did that variety you know, attract because it's very possible you could grow a different variety that doesn't attract pests as much or you're able to protect them easier and pests aren't as much of a problem. The next question I ask myself is, did it create more trouble than it was worth? Some varieties of fruits or vegetables or grains are picky. They're never happy. It's too hot or it's too cool. There's too much water. There's not enough water. There's too much sun. There's too much shade. Maybe. Who knows? If you spend a whole season babying a plant or several plants from the same variety of seed, think carefully before choosing to plant it again because chances are it's going to necessitate that same level of care next year and and every year that you plant it. I will give you an, an example. I've grown quinoa a few times now. Each stalk, each stalk of quinoa gets very, very top heavy as the seeds come in. Even if you hill them up at the base, they end up needing to be staked to a heavy-duty steel gardening stake. And even then, the stalk still has a tendency to topple over and disturb neighboring plants or into the neighboring bed. Not only that, but I have to make sure that the seeds' heads don't get too damp once they start to dry out or they'll rot on the stock or sprout on the stock and like then you can't eat them right rotted sprouted whatever as a result I found myself stressing out over even a minimal chance of rain for weeks at a time in the fall after the second time I tried to grow quinoa I just I decided growing it was not for me and it's okay for you to do the same for any crop it doesn't mean you're a failure it doesn't mean you're you're not a good gardener 
If it doesn't produce particularly tasty fruit or you don't get huge harvests from it, or it's just a pain in the butt, it's okay to give up on that plant or that variety. So all of that said, that reassurance, you're not a bad gardener. You know, if you if you decide not to replant a certain seed or a certain variety, how then do you avoid wasting seeds? Because no gardener likes the idea of wasting seeds. They cost money and they're so, so important. So if you've decided not to plant them again, what do you do with them? The answer is to participate in a seed swap. If you've never participated in a seed swap, they are so much fun. It's kind of like it's kind of like a swap meet, right? Where it's just like people just kind of give things back and forth. There are local seed swaps, there's regional seed swaps, there's even nationwide seed swaps. You can share your unused or unusable seeds with someone else who lives in a different climate or maybe doesn't have the same pest problems you have in your area. Plus, you'll get some cool new varieties in return for a lot less money um, than, than you would if you were to order them. Sometimes no money at all. There's places with that ask you, you know, if you are giving someone one variety of seed, they will give you one variety of seed back. Sometimes, you know, if you want a seed variety from someone, they'll ask you to kind of just like reimburse them for shipping or something like that if you're not sending them a, a variety of seed back. Um, either way, most gardeners you'll find are incredibly generous, incredibly friendly, and are really, really happy to kind of just trade with you. Of course, before passing them on, I always like to mention what issues I struggled with. That way, the person who swaps with me doesn't end up with a similar result or frustrations. Kind of kind of like a buyer beware situation. Um, just Google seed swap near me or the name of the state you live in plus the words seed swap. And you should come up with, with what you're looking for, honestly. It's a really fun way to get to know fellow growers and farmers, and it is a fantastic way to avoid wasting seeds. So with all of that in mind, I hope that helps you as you're thinking through next year's garden, what to grow again, what not to grow again, and then what to do with seeds that you end up deciding not to use. In the next episode, I am going to be talking about how to overwinter herbs at this point, uh, you know, I try to be really timely with my content, but sometimes um, time gets away from me. And so this is, is a little bit late. Most of you have decided which herbs to bring indoors and which herbs to leave outdoors. But you know what? If you haven't or you've left some stuff outside and you want to give it a little bit more protection or you decide you want to bring it inside or you need some care tips for the stuff you did bring inside, you're going to want to listen to the next episode because I'm going to be covering all of that for all the different types of herbs. Not like, you know, every single herb that exists because that would be way too much to go over. But I would say the most common herbs that people grow for culinary and medicinal use. So that is it for today. Thank you, as always, for listening. I really, really appreciate every single one of you. If you have any questions, 
As I always say, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram or in the comments of the sister post for this episode, which you can find a link to in the show notes as always. And if you haven't yet, please do me a huge favor, would you? And head on over to the podcatcher of your choice and take a second to rate the podcast. Even if all you have time for is to click how many stars. If you don't have time to type out a little review with your fu- with your thumbs, that's totally okay. I appreciate any sort of review you want to leave. Thank you so very much, and I will talk to you guys in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Grow Your Own Food podcast. Visit beeandbasil.com for helpful how-to articles, images, and recipes.